0: So it contains content that might not be suitable for younger listeners, so listener discussion is advised. Hi Dan! Hi Katie! Welcome everyone to Have You Ever Heard Of? A History Podcast. Where
1: we talk about people from history you may or may not have heard of. I just said mot instead of not. <laughs> I'm quite good at doing that actually, I do that quite a lot. My, I just mess my words up, I can't.
0: People know what you're talking about by now.
1: I need to do the like... They are arti- like actors, like um like exercises. Pa, 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 pa. Tip of the tongue. Yeah. Tip of the tongue. Mm.
0: She sells seashells on the seashore. That kind of thing. All that good stuff. Which is a bit weird because you could just like walk around the seashore and find your own shells.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like it's a t- that's a terrible market, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> <to the>, uh... <laughs>
0: Uh, We're talking about history, but today we're making history, hopefully, because today is Tuesday, and by the time you are all listening to this, we will know whether or not Trump has a second term, or whether or not Biden is our new president. Hopefully, as long as it doesn't drag out for, like, two weeks. In other
1: words, if we're hurtling towards the end of days, the end times, or if we're going (laughs) to have a little respite, another chance.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't... I'm not like, woo, Biden, but I'm like... Woo anyone but Trump, basically. Yeah. So.
1: Well, I think um, at this point we need someone yeah. who's a bit more middle of the road to try and steady the ship.
0: Yeah. And then we can go Bernie. <laughs> Probably not actually Bernie, yeah, he might but not like. Around anymore. Yeah. I love him. How are
1: you? Uh, I'm bummed by this uh, h- another lockdown.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm we're in another lockdown, everyone.
1: pretty hopeless. I feel like there's no future. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why I've spent a whole year. Doing just working and nothing
0: else. to making all that moolah and hopefully saving it for yeah. like a nice big trip.
1: I I feel like I haven't. I feel like I've spent loads of money on just garbage, but also looking at my bank account, it look it feels like I haven't spent any money at all. So I just don't. I don't really know what's happened there.
0: Yeah, I don't. Know. I've done the same. Like we moved out, so we've spent money on that. But I also do have definitely bought garbage. I'm like, I'm going to buy. The one thing I really wanted was a Switch, and I still haven't bought one. And I feel like I should just buy myself one. You yeah, just absolutely at this go point. for it.
1: You're going to getting yeah. more hours now. Got to treat yourself. Yeah, that's
0: my news. Yeah, a couple more. Well, another day at work, and then from January full time. And a new job title. so...
1: What is your new job title? Are you going to get it on a badge? Are you going to get it on like a little plaque on your door? <gasps>
0: No, <laughs> I think it's um Digital Assets Manager, nice. which is, sounds more fancy than it is. It's about like making sure that we have all the copyright information that we have to be able to put things online. Like, so, you know, when you go online to like an archives website oh, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. can download stuff, just making sure that we have, because we have things like design drawings, yeah. making sure we have all the copyright for that. So that'll give me loads of um experience in copyright which is actually really useful for a librarian yeah but leave it or not
1: well i'm hoping to go all out and uh buy either the xbox series x don't know if that's a very good name to be fair or the
0: or the ps5 but they're sold
1: out all around the world everywhere
0: yeah can't even
1: put yeah. can't even like uh like or pre-orderer
0: my friend paul's pre-ordered one He's got in there uh, and he has decided that... So basically it's going to arrive sometime in November and he has decided in his infinite wisdom that he is going to, and this isn't even a joke, he's not going to open it until Christmas Day. He's going to have the PS5 and put it in a cupboard for all the games and not open it until Christmas Day. Why would Christmas you do Day. such a thing? So it's like a present to himself on Christmas I Day. See. And I'm like, I do not have that much self-control. Definitely not. No. How do you do that? I'm- if I had something... It's like for me... What would be the equivalent for me? I don't know. I do like a, a PS Five would be cool, but it's not like the equivalent for me. I guess if it was like I don't know, a brand new series of like Buffy the Vampire Sayer. and I couldn't like watch it until, <laughs> until a reboot, or would
1: you want it to be like a carry on with no, like as the they same are now. characters Yeah. So with and Michelle now. Geller and uh, of
0: course it's always and Michelle Geller. What's
1: she? What's she like now? Is she still in drinking? She still do the high kicks?
0: Um, she like works out a lot yeah so I have her on Instagram and I think she by the end of Buffy she was kind of like almost obsessed with working out but she has I think she has like a healthy food brand and she's like a mom obviously she's still married to Freddie Prinze Jr which is so cute
1: Freddie Prinze Jr he was like um, a a writer for the WWE for ages he's one of us
0: I I just found out Kevin
1: Clifton from uh, from Strictly from Strictly he's one of us as well he's a wrestling fan there's so many oh, of us around just one of us. Come, like, just <laughs> come out of the woodwork ones. every now and then. We're like...
0: Oh. We just don't know. <laughs> this might be a longish one. So should we do it? Get started.
1: Let's do this thing.
0: You've heard of this person and you also know who it is. You might be wondering, people, do we tell each other? Usually we don't tell each other, but I needed to text Dan to tell him because I want to make sure he wasn't doing this person in uh-huh. the near future. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... <laughs> Have you ever heard of Rasputin?
1: I have, and I've heard the 80s song about him as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was so good. If I if I can, then I'll put a clip <laughs> in here of the song. Um, so obviously most of you probably heard of Rasputin, um, and it's probably no surprise about the middle of his life, but I think what's most interesting is the beginning of his life, because that might be the bit you don't know about. Um, so I've tried to bulk that out, bit. let's get going with this. So I should just say, um, some biographies use old style dates, and some biographies use like the new style dates as much as possible. I have tried to do new style, like as in what would be the date if it was today.
1: Oh yeah, because uh, Russia didn't follow the Gregorian calendar while he was around for today. like a while. Yeah. yeah.
0: So um, so some of them might be like it's only like a ten day difference. So some of them might be like ten days or so out, but. a Birth and death days are definitely correct, I've checked those. So (laughs) there are a couple of days in the middle that might be a bit like weird, but they're around the same time. They're not so far off that it would be crazy. So, according to the official records, he was born on the 21st of January, 1869, and christened the next day, even though we don't have the birth certificate, there are records. He was named for St. Gregory of Nysia, whose feast was celebrated on 10th of January. So his actual first name is Grégory Rasputin. He grew up in... (laughs) This is where I try and pronounce Siberian (laughs) and Russian (laughs) names. So this is going to be fun. Um, Pork Roscoe, Siberia. That's much
1: better better than any of my attempts. Uh, (laughs) In in, any other language. Even Japanese, which I'm learning.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's good because you're like a bona fide Russian, uh, bona fide Russian, bona fide Asian. Okay, so this uh, town had only about a thousand people and about two hundred houses in the village. So. It's like really small It had very harsh winters, dropping to minus forty-five degrees. I sometimes. just, I
1: never understand how we can live in that. Like, surely you what just, is that? you just, you're just free. Your blood would freeze. That's below be freezing.
0: Yeah. So that would have to be like middle of the night, middle of winter, kind of like time, and you'd have to be inside with fires burning all of. That's the time. like
1: that's like Australia, like like reverse Australia.
0: Yeah, and Australia people aren't supposed to live there. No. It's too hot. Okay. <laughs> The family name, Rasputin, dates, dates back to 1643, and Rasput actually means crossroad, so oh. that's an interesting fact. Oh. His father was called Efim, and he worked on the family farm. He drank a lot of vodka, and well, he also standard. may have had some male lovers, apparently. It's interesting. His mother was called Anna, and Maria, who is Rasputin's later daughter, said that she kept a meticulously clean house. Ah. We don't really know much else about
1: her. I bet she's drunk a lot of vodka as well.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, these, Frash- all these people. Fresh his parents married in 1862 when his father was 20 and his mother was 22. Uh, they're relatively well-off but completely illiterate. So even in childhood, there are many rumours about Rasputin's life. It's probably true that his parents had lost four children before him, and maybe three sons afterwards as well. Oh, one sister, Theodoso, uh, had uh, survived, and some biographies also mention another brother and another sister. So, might have had three siblings, but definitely at least one sister. Um he was a very advanced child physically. He stood at six months old and was walking by eight months. Oh, wow. But he didn't speak until two and a half years old. Hmm. What is that? That's like the other way around He was around. just holding
1: like, it back, wasn't he? Quite he was exact. just
0: waiting and just like, you know, I've got, got a to say. <laughs> Uh, When he was eight, he had a bit of a tragedy. He went swimming with his cousin that he was close to in a river nearby, and they got into some sort of trouble. They were rescued, but the cousin actually died of pneumonia afterwards.
1: How nasty.
0: I mean, it's Siberia. It's cold.
1: Yeah, if you just put your finger in the water, you're going to die of...
0: Yeah. What were you thinking? (laughs) So, when he was 12, his quote-unquote mystical powers started to show. For example, he managed to cure a lame horse and was able to predict when a stranger was on their way. Um, he never went to school, but he did study on his own, particularly like the um, Saint Gregory, who, who he was named after. And there started to be a few like weird instances with his behavior, which was generally erratic for most of his life. Like, for example. He threw a 15-month-old child into a river for not smiling at him.
1: What?
0: I know. Um, he was a very religious child, saying that he had a vision of a bright light within him, which represented the kingdom of God. And that was when he realized, like, he was, like, special or something. Oh, boy. So, teenage life. Uh, At 16, this general's wife had made, like, this sexual advance at him, like, grabbing his junk and almost seducing him but before he could like get into bed with her the maid servants appeared and they also like grabbed at him but one of them pitied him and like saved him and gave him some clothes and he went off i see how old is he? So this was he sister 16 okay then so this began his experience of sexual life and from then on he was very sexually active with all kinds of women
1: all kinds of women.
0: All kinds of women. Young, old, tall, short, all kinds. Though he was particularly, like, attracted to young, beautiful women, as most depraved men are. <laughs> so, he also healed a woman it, at this time, when he was 16, with a caress to the buttock, apparently. Like, he, it wasn't like a sexual way, it was more like she had, something had happened to her... Um, and he, like, helped her, he, like, hid her in, like, a shed and caressed her butter because she was healed. So he's
1: basically just kind of, like, a really dodgy, more more dodgy than normal, like, televangelist or whatever, Slap taps on the head, and then they go, they, like, pretend to fall over, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm healed, I can see, and then they, like, fall, fall off the stage because they can't actually see. Yeah. Like that. Exactly. But except just, just like kind that. of, like, but also kind of overstepping the mark and... A little bit of sexual abuse thrown in there for good measure.
0: Okay, so in 1886, he met his future wife, um, Paris Corvillia, at a religious fete. He was 17 and she was 20. A fete? Like a
1: village fete? With cakes and like, like a religious fate. and stuff? I
0: guess so. It was like, but religious. So like, hey, you guys are religious. Come eat cake or something. I don't
1: know. I guess fates are religious uh, here, though, but they're just like C of E, which is kind of just like the orange squash of religion.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, it so is. <laughs> um but like not very good Like, not, not like
1: No it's like it's like, like co-op own brand. Like Co op has the
0: best squash. Don't diss co-op oh, it's squash? It's
1: quite sweet though, isn't it?
0: <laughs> no but the it's the <laughs> yeah the double strength apple and blackcurrant anyway, um they got married on the second of February eighteen eighty seven. So he was around eighteen. The next year, they had a son who died at six months of scarlet fever and then twins who died of whooping cough. They then had three surviving children in 1895, 1898, and 1900. Dimitri, Maria, and Vaya. So Maria is the one that's like um, most well-known because she later in life wrote a biography of her father. And like had she stayed with him in St. Petersburg and stuff. Mm-hmm. So in his twenties, started to drink heavily in like the early 1900s. Often going into town to collect money for grain, and then coming home with no money, or grain, or the cart, or even sometimes shoes.
1: Well, he did spend it on grain. He just spent it on fermented grain, which he then drank.
0: <laughs> well, it was probably vodka, though, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. Well you know, you know where I'm coming from.
0: <laughs> um, he got into a lot of trouble. He had many floggings and imprisonments, but nothing seemed to help. So, in 1897, the authority decided to ban him from the village and sent him to a monastery. He spent three weeks walking 325 miles to Vakotia. I'm sorry if all of these are wrong. It's, <laughs> I, I
1: think my it's Russian good. is
0: subpar, to <laughs> say the least. So, it was a weird place. Some say that it was like pagan, but it just definitely was not Orthodox at all. <laughs> Um, it basically helps people that the Orthodox Church did not approve of and didn't want to take in. The monks would like whip each other and test themselves by sleeping in beds with like spiritual wives to like test themselves so they wouldn't drag them.
1: Okay then, which and is unfortunately, they never managed. <laughs> oh to- <laughs> no,
0: I failed the test. <laughs> he spent three months there. He had a couple of experiences, weird ones, where like a couple of fathers wanted to like you know get with him and he had to bulk his door up or whatever um, but then he met this guy father uh, Macare, who he kept in touch with for the rest of his life and he taught him about like the brevity of life and how he should like take in every moment so he came back to the town having given up alcohol tobacco and meat but not sex he began practicing this fusion of sex and religion which he had probably experienced at this weird monastery
1: so he's just basically kind of like he's just ahead of his time then. He should he should have been living in the sixties.
0: Exactly. He's just Being in the part wrong of decade. the Manson
1: family. That's where he needed <laughs> is, to be.
0: So you see he's essentially a cult leader, you don't even understand. <laughs> so apparently he once um he tried it on with this woman and she wasn't like having it, so he's sexually frustrated and as he was walking home. He casually ran into these three nude women who were bathing in the river, and they all made love to him like one after the other and he went into a sort of meditative state and he realized that like sex could be like wiping people of their sins, kind of thing, like he was taking on their sins by shagging them.
1: Yeah. this is basically what happens if you give up all the vices if you just yeah. if you're just like "I'm only gonna have one vice, then that vice just explodes, yeah, you need to sh- you need to just you know. Spread your vices, spread them evenly like what's the name of
0: someone who's obsessed with sex like a um pleb- not media really like <laughs> I can't remember that there's a word for it he's basically a sex object, so he would start these like kind of um what's the word what's the thing at church like a i don't know Worship session. A worship session. (laughs) Where he would light a fire and followers would, like, dance around. And then when the fire died down, they would, like, fall down. And then they would begin the orgy. He acted as what he called the pilot. And he would begin the proceedings. And he would say things like, sin for salvation. So, like orgy to get rid of your sins. Fair. The village priest, Father Peter, didn't really like this at all (laughs) and complained to the bishop about him. So it was probably a good idea that Rasputin got out of town. At around 29 years old, he had this vision of the Virgin Mary who told him to go wander and cleanse people of their sins. So, he was first told by the Virgin Mary, that he should go to Mount Athos in uh, Greece, which he did, taking about ten months to get there. He didn't even tell his wife he was going, he just left. Like, he told her he was going to go there at some point, and then one day his, like, stuff was gone. And she was like, oh, I must have gone then. Bastard. So you go into this, like, routine of wandering off around springtime to, like, preach to people around the world. Well, around, you know, Siberia, like... Europe, not <laughs> the, the whole world. Didn't like her uh, past Europe, and then coming back just after harvest, which is like pretty convenient. Um, he would tell of his long pilgrimages and all his sufferings, and his wife completely turned a blind eye to all his like extracurricular activities, claiming he was taking on the sin of everyone he had sex
1: with. Oh wow! So she, so she bought it.
0: Anyway, four years later, when he was me, he decided rural life wasn't for him, and he walked to the nearest city, which was kazan so it was in kazan that he first experienced fine living electricity and very importantly the telephone so the telephone became like a big thing for him wasn't he was in st petersburg he actually used to ring up like potential um female converts to like before he like cleansed them of his sins which is (laughs) weird um
1: so kind of just like old school Version of the dick pic.
0: He um he managed to convince some people of his abilities, including a cleric who he warned of a knife attack. So I guess it's kind of like fortune tellers. You, like they tell like a load of people something it doesn't happen, but then they tell one person something that does, and all of a sudden they're a genius. Like he also became fond of bathhouses where he would get women to wash his genitals, oh, which like carried on for like his whole life. Oh boy, it's weird um however he now wanted to move to the bigger city of kiev so he moves to kiev and this is where he first encounters the royal imperial family the grand duchess militia she was married to the Tsar's cousin grand Duke mm-hmm. peter um she heard of rasputin's powers and they met while he was in kiev so he's like in this like woodshed soaring wood and she was like hi i'm like the grand duchess he's like yeah whatever and he doesn't speak to her and he like sends her away but they meet again in st petersburg So he comes to St. Petersburg in 1903, and this is where he lived for the rest of his life. He did visit um, his old town of Poroskoe regularly, and his wife and father both visited St. Petersburg, but neither of them liked it at all. Like, she just wanted to go home, and his father was like crossing himself as he came in. Oh boy. He visited Militia and her younger sister, Anastasia along with their uncle Nicholas. Uh, during this visit, Rasputin quote-unquote cured Anastasia's sick dog, and they were all just really impressed, so he's already got this, like, one thing. that
1: I bet he know, just bought a new photo. dog.
0: <laughs> <And> he, like, <laughs> prayed for it for, like, half an hour or something, and, like, it got better. Um, but maybe it just got better, because dogs sometimes just get better, you know? During his early times in Petersburg, he met this monk called um, Eloda, and this is, like, an important guy. He was one of his, like, craziest followers, and they became great friends, so he used to go fishing and stuff. His reputation began gathering steam. He would hold gatherings with bishops where he would make predictions like, you will lose your mother, you will get a hernia, you will do this. And some of the stuff came true. The Tsar and the czar reader's own confessor, Bishop Theophan was an early supporter of Rasputin, which, of course, was useful contact. Uh, Rasputin even moved into his house for a bit. Ah. So in 1903, when he he came to St. Petersburg, uh, Rasputin announced that there would an heir would be born within the year. And within the year, 1904, Alexis was born a boy that had followed four girls. So people are like, wow, he was right. So, on the 1st of November, 1905, after signing the In Russia's first parliament, the Tsar and Tsarina agreed to have tea with Rasputin. From that very first meeting, he started calling them Batishkuya and Matishkuya, which basically means Mama and Papa, and later he just shortened it to Mama and Papa. It was not the first mystic that the imperial family and court had had, however, the family was particularly attached to Rasputin. He was contacted by the Tsar afterwards, and he had another tea with them, In July of 1906, he apparently told the Tsarina that a matchbox actually weighed three tons and she failed to lift it. So this is like some Darren Brown
1: shit, you know,
0: like, this happened to me when he did the, 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 you know, the chair thing where you watch the thing and he's like, you can't get out of your chair. It happened to me. I'm really susceptible. (laughs) I would probably not be able to lift that matchbox. (laughs) Uh, So he visited again in October. So he starts to become more regular to court. The Tsar granted him a favour quite early on, allowing him to change his name to Rasputin Novi, um, because this, like, distanced himself from his old name. Novi basically means new. So it's okay. like the new Rasputin. Usually, though, his followers called him brother or father Gregory, and the Tsar and Tsarina just called him Gregory. His most important new connection with the Tsarina's friend, Anna, they met on a train, and she started, like, pouring out all her woes to him this is in my head this is so story. like <laughs> they were on this train and she's all like for as well as, um about her upcoming marriage and Rasputin told her that she would be wed and very unhappy which sounds like she already knew <laughs> she, um she became completely enamored with him there were rumors started to spread that they were lovers so much so she had examined she had herself examined by a doctor to prove that she was still a virgin Oh, man. But she was his devoted follower for the rest of her life. She was, like, numerous follower she loved. So the Imperial couple were becoming more isolated from their people this time. So the, following, like, the tragedy of Bloody Sunday, so the family kind of liked him to be around, because he's, like, a peasant, and they could call him a friend, so he's very, like the peasants aren't liking us right now, but he is, so... Uh, we're gonna he's there, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, Victoria and her, like, friend... Yeah. Uh, what's his first name? Is it John Brown? No, the Scott. After Albert died. It was, like, kind of the in thing to have, like, a peasant, like, following around a court. I don't know.
1: It's like the classic, we, we can't hate peasants. One of our friends is pe- a peasant.
0: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and not to mention his healing abilities so some of you may know this particular part of the story um the future Tsar who as we know never became the Tsar because these are the last Tsars um, Alexei suffered from haemophilia on several occasions, and the Tsarina believed that Rasputin could stop the bleeding and ease his pain. It's unclear when he first became aware of the haemophilia or when he first became the healer. It could have been as early as October 1906, and one of his biographers, Francis Welsh, says that Alexei was three years old when he first was treated by Rasputin. So, who summoned? Uh, Rasputin was summoned by the Tsarina to pray for Alexei when he had a hemorrhage in the spring of 1907, and he recovered the very next day.
1: Hmm.
0: In the summer of 1912, Alexei appeared to be close to death after developing a large hematoma. The Tsarina telegrammed Rasputin, who happened to be in Siberia at the time, and he wrote back, God has seen your tears and heard your prayers, do not grieve, the little one will not die. Do not allow the doctors to bother him too much. The bleeding stopped two days later. The doctor said that they it was completely inexplicable, but some of his brokers say that him calming down the sirena might have helped, or when he said like the doctors leave him alone, that might have helped, because it just helps the blood clot.
1: Yeah, the doctors are probably just doing unbelievably crazy things to him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just stop doing your weird medicines. <laughs> <laughs> um some also say that he might have used hypnosis sometimes. Um but,
1: but he was knows. he was away in Siberia was not with them. So he wasn't like causing like
0: No. He's the injury like, and
1: then just like yeah.
0: No, I mean like he might have used hypnosis to, like heal him.
1: Yeah, yeah. But not
0: that time, like different times. Um, so the Tsar, after this, appointed Rasputin the, um, lampadink, which is, like, the <laughs> lamplighter, okay. who was char- who was charged with keeping all the lamps that burn in the front of religious icons in the palace, and thus he had regular access to the palace and the royal family. Um, after the time, he became more and more controversial. He was accused of heresy and rape, and rumours spread about an affair with the Tsarina herself, which I don't think was true, but... Rumours, rumours, you know. Um, in 1907, the local clergy of his town back in Siberia denounced him as a heretic and an inquest was launched into all his activities. In Siberia, he faced opposition from both the Prime Minister, which is Peter Stolypin, and the Okharana, which is like the SARS secret police. Nobody wants to be on the wrong side of a European secret police. yeah. Uh. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> not a good time for him. Um, the Prime Minister launched his own investigation into his activities and he wanted to get the Tsar thrown out of St. Petersburg for five years, but unfortunately the Tsars didn't let that happen. So in 1909, Kaleona Beristakia... He had been one of Rasputin's early supporters in St. Petersburg accused him of rape as well. Rumors that, had, that Rasputin had assorted female followers and behaved inappropriately on visits to the royal family, particularly with the Tsar's teenage daughters, Olga and oh, Tatiana, multiplied, no. and they were reported widely in the press uh, in March of 1910. So by 1910, the imperial couple had themselves noticed that people didn't like him around the court, Tutors and servants behaved differently when he was around and they couldn't ignore it anymore. One of the maids also accused him of rape. With the court becoming more icy, so was the church. His former supporter, Elo was becoming crazier and also just not happy with his levels of sexual depravity. He called him the Antichrist.
1: Oh, wow. So. That is... Uh...
0: <laughs> so in December 1911, Rasputin... Went out one night to meet with some clerics along with Il Aldo. but it was a ruse. This guy called Hemogen, who was one of the like, top church guys, beat him and tried to make him. It was like beat him with like a wooden cross. It was okay. like dark, yeah. Um,
1: how like, well, how big was this wooden cross? Because I'm like imagining like a really. It's quite comical what I'm imagining, just beating him <laughs> with a really big like wooden cross I'm not
0: like I'm not sure I'm not sure <laughs> of the dimensions of said cross but I don't think it was like a little Palm Sunday one I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was like a hefty one um, so they beat him Tries to make him promise to never see the Tsar and Tsarina again and they also wanted at some point to castrate him and um, and burn his home in Siberia to the ground However, he managed to escape and told the Tsarina everything and this didn't go well for them because they both went into exile. Iloda actually managed to flee to Finland dressed as a woman because he didn't want anyone to know where he was. Throughout 1912, opposition really, really got going and in 1913, on the Tsar's suggestion, Rasputin travelled to the Holy Land and upon his return, he wrote a volume called My thoughts and meditations, a short description of the visits to holy places, um, which was helped by Anna and the Sarina. However, he did feel like it was time to, like, get out for a bit, like, a longer time. So he decided to go back home to his town. But then, on a date you might recognise, the 28th of June 1914, a 33-year-old peasant woman who had no nose... Um, was like walking along he was on the way to the post office <laughs> not even a joke he was on the way to the <laughs> post office um and he was like oh this this like old prostitute with no nose she might be able to be reformed and she went up to him and she stabbed him in the stomach outside his home and as you may have noticed that's the same day that franz ferdinand was yeah. assassinated he was seriously wounded and taken to hospital in tumen where he recovered
1: so it was uh, was she like put up, put up to do this or did she just decide?
0: Well, I'm just about to tell you. Her name was um, <laughs> Kionya um, Guseva and she had been a follower of Iloda. Remember him? The one he uh. used to be his follower but then went a bit crazy Um, and was supposed to be in exile. So yeah, he had kind of denounced him and put him up to this.
1: Warm to her nose.
0: So she had been a prostitute and one of her like clients or something had like
1: syphilis.
0: Maimed her.
1: Oh really? Yeah. Jeez.
0: There's a picture of her online actually.
1: Oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs>
0: that was <is>, uh <laughs> Yeah, it's going right.
1: That's like they didn't even do... they didn't even do a good job of taking the nose off. Oh no. Poor poor woman.
0: Anyway, so she was um she claimed that she had acted alone, having read about Rasputin in the newspapers and believing him to be a false prophet and the Antichrist. But it is probably believed that he had played some role. This guy, um, Illeder, so he was basically banned from St. Petersburg and defrocked. He fled the country before he could be questioned in the assassination attempt, and um, Guseva was found to be not responsible for her actions by reasons of insanity. We are now fully in World War One. So Rasputin heard the news of the war as he was recovering in hospital and he wrote to the Tsar begging him not to go to war. He wrote that we will all drown in blood. Um, but the Tsar didn't want to listen to him. For the first time in ages, people were cheering for him on the streets of Russia. Like being mm. like, yeah, go to war. People really
1: loved war back then, didn't they? Just couldn't get enough of they that. They love a
0: war. They were couldn't like. Get enough of it. It's some I don't know something about like national fervor, hmm. you know. But now it's like, oh my god, we're all going to die because we have <laughs> nuclear weapons. Also, it was really expensive as Warpole
1: yeah.
0: knew. So the Tsar, yeah, um, like went to like go and fight his war, and Rasputin returned to court and became the Tsarina's right hand man and Tsar by proxy, basically. Over the course of the next two years, he appointed like completely incompetent new ministers. The First World War brought about the end of feudalism and Russia's economy declined at a rapid rate. I know this, people always talk about how much the price of bread has increased to show you how bad the economy is. Hmm. And the price of bread increased double. Oh man. Like it doubled. So that wasn't good. Many obviously blame the Tsarina and Rasputin. One member of the Duma said um, the Tsar's ministers have been turned into marionettes, marionettes whose thread have been taken firmly by hand, in hand by Rasputin and the Empress, um, the evil genius of Russia and the Tsarina. Who has remained a German not on the Russian throne, and alien to the country and its people? She's related to the English throne, and obviously she married a German. So I think that's what they were saying. Oh, okay,
1: then. Yeah, because um, the Tsar is like uh, George George's cousin, isn't he? George V's cousin.
0: Oh, there's some sort of weird royal connection. Anyway, they're not about to be Tsars much longer. So, um, basically, the people, <laughs> felt it was time times have a revolution. <laughs> um. So, we're getting to the end of days here for Rasputin. Um, his health was really declining and he was no longer able to heal people because he needed his health to, be able to heal. Obviously, that's the reason it's not just fake. <laughs> um, his behaviour was becoming more erratic than usual. A number of attempts had that's been made in his something. life in the last two years and he had had to bid farewell to his wife and son who were in Siberia. He kept his flat in St. Petersburg. On the 29th of December, 1916, he managed to leave his house to visit the cathedral. Someone testified on the day before his death he drank 12 bottles of his favourite Madeira before passing yeah. out. <laughs> I can drink one and I'm done. <laughs> one bottle of wine. Um, although only 47, he did not look good. His eyes were yellow and his nose was marked. His beard was like really, really gross. He had teeth, uh, as quoted by a friend... Like, blackened stumps. Ooh. Yeah. Um, The evening before his death, he showed his daughter a stash of 3,000 rubles for her dowry. And so she was like, why are you showing me this? Like, he knew something was up, right? You don't just, like, drink 12 bottles of Madeira, show your daughter some rubles, (laughs) and then, like, it's not a normal day, right? Like, your last day on Earth, you visit a cathedral, drink some wine, stash some money, like standard right yeah
1: that sounds like uh yeah in a film that'd be like if anything happens to me
0: it's yeah. that
1: scene isn't it
0: burn my porn and then <laughs> i don't have any porn to burn but if i did have any <laughs> please burn it um
1: you already did have porn made porn oh, boy. oh
0: god he didn't need it though because he was just going to the bathhouses <laughs> and getting people to like touch him up um <laughs> so grim so uh, a group of nobles led by the Prince Felix Yusupov, who I think is like the nephew of the Tsarina or nephew of the Tsar, um, uh, Grand Duke Dmitry um, Palevich, and right wing politician Vladimir Prustekevich, nice all of done. those were probably I, I, wrong, um, decided that. that Rasputin's influence over the Tsarina had made him a threat to the empire. So, on the 30th of December, 1916, um, Felix invited Rasputin to his home to help cure his wife of her sex addiction. So, he oh, had... Is that the right
1: person to call to cure someone from her well, sex this No,
0: this is like a ruse. <laughs> so, his wife was like one of the most beautiful women in St. Petersburg, apparently. And um, so, obviously, Rasputin's going to be... Lurked. He's going to be like, okay, I can cure her wife. it's fine. So, um, he goes over. And there's, like, the whole table is set for, like, um, dinner. Like, fancy dinner. And he's like, oh, yeah, he, she's just got some friends over. If you go down to the basement, then we'll bring her down for her curing sessions. he's like, cool, cool, cool. Um, so they give him... So basically, we don't know exactly what happened. So Felix Um Yusupov wrote a memoir. And this is what he says happened. So... Um, he went down to the basement and he offered him some cake and wine which were poisoned. He drank the cake drank the cake, he ate the cake, drank the wine (laughs) nothing happened, he's fine so he's like, "Ah, that's weird so um, they were like, okay so let's try something else so at about 2.30am Felix Yusupov goes upstairs where the others were waiting he gets a gun from Dmitry and he shoots Rasputin in the chest They then drive back to Rasputin's flat in his hat and coat to make it look like he came home. And then they went back to to Felix's house to make sure that he's dead. And he, like, jumps up and attacks him. they're like, oh, he's not dead. (laughs) So they, like, go upstairs and Rasputin follows them and he makes it all the way into the courtyard only to be shot um, by Vladimir. So he's definitely dead this time. And they wrap him in a body just to make sure he's dead. They drive to the um, Porosky Bridge I think that's my real answer, and dropped him in the Malala navico River. So on the day after his death, his followers actually came to his flat where his daughter Maria was and took key folks for themselves, like hankies, some soiled linen, and even Ooh. fingernail trimmings. Oh, man. Isn't that grim?
1: That is nasty. Obsessives do uh, pick, some interesting, uh, pick some interesting artifacts, don't they?
0: Um, so news spread quickly even before his body was found an investigation was launched the next morning two workmen noticed blood on the railing of the bridge and found a boot below his body was found the next day the waterport report was lost unfortunately but the doctor said later that there were many signs of severe trauma which may have been caused post-mortem according to biographers there was no water found in his lungs which obviously means Mm -hmm. that he was dead when he went into the river Um, despite records he was still alive but it wasn't he was buried the next day on the 2nd of January in a small church that his follower Anna had been building it was only attended by the imperial family his wife and children were not invited but his daughters did visit the imperial family later that day in March 1917 so you you know what happened in between then and March is that there's a a revolution and obviously the, the throne has been abdicated so in March 1917, his body was exhumed and burned by detachment of soldiers after the Tsar abdicated, um, like earlier that month. Um, basically, they didn't want his grave to become like a con- congregation site for mm-hmm. like people of the old regime. Um, so that's why you get this whole story of like him like being poisoned and shot and thrown into a river and burned. <laughs> but it's like it's not like he was wasn't dead after yeah, yeah, yeah. like one of those things like he was already dead they just burned him because they didn't want his grave to become like a site but yeah that's the story of Rasputin um, definitely the which worst basically... peasant to
1: have to try and get other peasants on side right
0: yeah I mean <laughs> he was. it's weird because you would think I don't know um like everything I knew about Rasputin really was about like the haemophilia healing yeah but really he didn't do it that often. <laughs> he did it like a couple of times. And mainly it was just him like being sexually depraved. And like he was there was like one guy who wanted to heal his um his like daughter who had one leg. And it's like, what is he gonna do to her? Like he, she has one <laughs> leg, it's not gonna like regrow her leg. So yeah, he must have been an interesting guy to have around, but he's still like Gross.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. That takes some gift of the gab, doesn't it, to convince someone? That's, his legs back. I mean, I know you can't see it, and she can't it's walk, back. and I like she's, she's back. not like able to walk <laughs> on it. But it's there. Oh, it's there. You have just gotta have faith in the leg.
0: <laughs> oh, with tons of um. References, by the way, Francis Welch's um, Rasputin biography. It's called, like, Rasputin, A Short Life. Um, It's really good, and it's just about less than 200 pages as well, which is a nice size for a biography. Because, like, you know, some biographies are for academics, and they are long, and they are chunky. This is a nice, like, short, well-written you know, succinct but also enjoyable biography. Of
1: Russ a Beaton. nice, a nice romp through the life of Rasputin.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is a romp. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: such a good song. Oh my god! So, what are you doing for your last days of freedom?
1: Uh. We've hope- got a day
0: left. A day and an evening.
1: Hopefully see the outside world one last time. But I don't know. <laughs> one don't last time.
0: It's only four weeks. Like, we've done this before.
1: Yeah, but will it be four weeks?
0: Yeah, that's true. I would love for Christmas to be Christmas. But yeah. hey hey. Uh,
1: I'm not holding out too much hope, really. So oh yeah, man. It's just gone.
0: Gone. Gone. Did nothing. Can we just do should we just do 2020 again? <laughs> should we just decide if everyone decides? I mean dates and time are a human construct, right? Exactly. Yeah. So um
1: We also have to get like a year back of like our age. We have to stay Oh yeah. At this I get age. to be 30
0: again. <laughs> yeah. Uh so eleven PM tonight, GMT. The first polls close in America.
1: Ooh. So
0: let's hope by the time you are listening to this, everyone. That you, um, the world yeah, a, a would be a little bit saner still a little bit saner maybe it Kanye. maybe Kanye will be our president <laughs> <laughs> I be mean, interested to see how many votes he actually gets but yeah
1: god I wouldn't be that surprised if he was actually weirdly it's America isn't it
0: if, if they get Kanye who do we get Stormzy
1: <laughs> Stormzy would be an infinitely better choice than uh...
0: oh yeah absolutely I <laughs> yeah, agree with that Oh, I'm gonna yeah. Now I'm actually gonna go see the SA World. I'm gonna go see my cousin.
1: Oh, this is nice.
0: Um, and then we're gonna make fire tomorrow and have sparklers in the our back Garden. And then we're gonna cry forever, four weeks, <laughs> four weeks of just pure crying, back to back crying. Uh, what are you doing? This? Oh, I already did you. <laughs> okay, let's say goodbye. Um, so. Please do subscribe wherever you're listening to us and rate us. It'll be really appreciated. The more you rate us, the higher up we get in like the the things. So if you search for history, like the more it you see will, us.
1: We'll be right there.
0: We'll be right Probably there, Wavey. And um thank you so much for our feedback on our new logo. I really like it actually.
1: And uh you can follow us on the social media things. The social media programs uh, programs? Programs? Platforms they are currently ruining the world, but follow us anyway um, <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Have You Ever Are
0: there any? Are there? Are there any nice
1: social media platforms?
0: Actually, I love TikTok. It's so much fun. But the only thing is, it's because of the algorithm. Because yeah. I only watch fun stuff, my TikTok like, is really fun. But then if you're like someone who is obsessed with like eating disorders or something, and you watch loads of those ones, then it's not a fun place to be. Yeah. So the algorithm kind of makes it either fun or not fun. Um, but no, I don't really... Go on it now because I got rid of it because I was spending as much time on it, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't actually have it anymore. But um, no, I don't think there are any nice ones. But as you know, I really, really, really hate Facebook. I don't yeah, have Facebook it. I haven't had is, uh, it in, in like eight years. So yeah,
1: I'm not using it anymore. Um, Twitter is just—it's uh, basically a playground now, isn't it? Where like people just shout at each other. They look from their little in their little gangs. That's it. That's that and. Um, Instagram is still quite nice, depending on what you're looking at. It's good for hobbies. Good for hobbyists. Yeah. But anyway, that was a lovely little last agent.
0: <laughs> we'll speak to you guys soon. <laughs> Bye! Bye! <laughs> <laughs>